Now what? Well, let's start this sermon and let's start this year the very same way, the way we should start it. Let's start it with prayer. Let's ask our loving Heavenly Father through the mighty name of His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit to bless us and keep us and use us as He sees fit in 2021. Father, we do pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will bless us in 2021. Thank you for getting us to this point. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us and that you would keep us and that you would use us as you see fit in this year. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The title of today's message is, Why We're Meeting Online Today. My original desire was to preach the, that particular topic, why we're meeting online today. And I also wanted to preach on the destruction of American idols. But as I prayerfully prepared for this message, I soon came to realize that I need to fully focus on just this one one item here, this one issue of why we are actually meeting online today. And as the Lord wills, the message on the destruction of American idols will be preached sometime soon. Today's focal passage is Romans chapter 13, so please uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. We will only be in Romans 13 today, but we are going to go all the way through that chapter There are many other scripture references uh, that we could look at that 100% totally support and are in alignment and agreement, of course, with what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 13. But for simplicity's sake, and because this passage, this Romans 13 passage is crystal clear, we will stay in Romans chapter 13. So I hope that you have your Bibles open, and I hope that you are uh, following along closely And uh, I will begin by reading the first five verses of Romans 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. Why are we meeting online today? I believe the answer is found in Romans chapter 13. The Apostle Paul gives us four short commands in Romans 13. And the first command is a command that we probably aren't very comfortable with, and it's the word submit. On December 20th, 2020, Governor Bill Lee, the governor of this great state of Tennessee, issued Executive Order 70. The order went into effect at 11.59 later that night and will remain in in effect until January 20th of 2021. 
Governor Lee issued Executive Order 70 in which he declared a continuing state of emergency and major disaster in response to COVID-19 and ordered, number one, Tennesseans to work from home when possible. Number two, Tennesseans should socially distance to the greatest extent possible. Number three, Tennesseans should limit social gatherings in situations where there are 10 or more people. And in those situations, they should also maintain social distancing. Number four, churches, such as Blackman Baptist Church, are specifically not included in the limitations placed on social gatherings. Number five, churches such as Blackman Baptist Church are strongly encouraged to use online or virtual services. Number six, churches such as Blackman Baptist Church that do decide to meet in person are encouraged to follow the guidelines provided in the Guidance for Gathering Together in Houses of Worship, which is another uh, state publication. And this publication was issued by the Governor's Office of Faith-Based and and Community Initiatives. This four-page document lists many governmental requests of us, face covering, social distancing, etc. Executive Order 70 went on to list several other government orders and requests. And now a word about these orders. Um, I don't like them. As a proud Tennessean and an American citizen in the tradition of Davy Crockett, Alvin York, and a slew of other good Tennesseans and Americans, I don't like these executive orders and I don't like government directors, directives. But what I like or, or don't like doesn't really matter. And why is that? Why do my likes and dislikes not matter? And I'm speaking to Christians now, Christians who just happen to be Americans, but I'm speaking to Christians. The Bible tells us as Christians we are to submit to the governing authorities. The Bible tells us as Christians we are to submit to the governing authorities whether we like it or not. Much has been made of the fact that Paul was led to write Romans when the ultimate human authority, the Roman government, was basically ruling the known world. And the Roman government was hostile to Christians. Roman governors and emperors were notoriously evil. And eventually, even Paul himself would lose his head to a Roman sword. Paul was officially executed by the government that he is here telling us that we are to submit and obey. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 13 that we are to submit to the governing authorities for five reasons. And I'll get to those five reasons in a moment, but please understand that Paul's primary reason that we are to submit is because even human government, with all its power and control over our lives, even human government is 100% totally under God's authority. And this concept of God over government was a very subversive thought. Government often thinks and acts as if it is God. Government is not God and does not have the ultimate authority, even when it acts like it does. Paul's line of reasoning here is quite dangerous because it places government under God's control. To a Christian, that may not seem unusual. That may not seem subversive. That may not seem dangerous, but... 
To live in Paul's day when the church had just been born and was growing, that was a very dangerous thought. And it's part of the reason why he eventually lost his head. The problem with power is that it corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. The American government was founded on the concept of limited power and a separation of powers and balanced powers because the founders understood that human nature is basically evil and power must be contained. We will return to this concept of God over government a little bit later, but for now let's focus on Paul's five reasons that we are to submit to the government. Number one, we are to submit to the government authorities because God put them in their positions of power. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authority, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Did you catch that? There is no authority except from God. And if the authorities are in existence, they are instituted by God. Number two, we are to submit to the governing authorities because if we resist, we are actually opposing God. First part of verse two. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. When we resist government authority, when we disobey the government authority, when I go over the speed limit, I'm actually opposing God's command. Third reason that Paul gives us for submission to the government authorities is we are to submit to the governing authorities because if we resist, we are bringing judgment to ourselves. And it's the second half of verse 2. Those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Fourth reason we are to submit to the governing authorities is because government is actually God's servant. Verses 3 and 4, for rulers are not a terror to good work, good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Time and time again here, Paul says that not only is God over government, but government serves God. Want to be unafraid? Are you afraid of the government? Remember this, that government answers to God. That government is actually under God's authority. That government is actually God's servant. The fifth reason Paul gives us for submitting to the governing authorities, and this is, he, he, he breaks the mold. He goes a different direction here, but we're to submit to the governing authorities, not just so that we can live in an orderly society and free of fear of the government's authority, but we are to submit to the governing authorities for the fifth reason here now, for our own conscience's sake. Verse 5 says, Therefore you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. So Paul gives us four reasons why, are we, why we are to submit, and they are all dealing with the power and the control that the government has over us. That's the wrath part. And then he equalizes that with our own conscience's 
sake. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. In, a, in summary, the Apostle Paul tells us as Christians, we are to submit to the governing authorities for the sake of our own conscience. In his strongest words up to this point, Paul says that we must submit. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, time and time again, Paul tells us to submit to the governing authorities, and he gives us reason after reason for doing this. And then to cap it all off in verse 5, he tells us that we must submit. And why must we submit? Up to this point, all the reasons we are to submit to the governing authorities center on God and his relationship to government and the fact that government serves God. Government is actually referred to as the servant of God. But now Paul caps it all off by saying, not only for wrath's sake, but for conscience sake. Government is God's servant for us, for our own good. And in our case today, where we find ourselves on January the 3rd, 2021, in the state of Tennessee, in our case, our government is asking us to hold services online. Now, I don't particularly like this request of the government, and I'm not sure if that's because I'm an American or I'm a Tennessean or a Christian who's not quite sanctified yet, but I don't particularly like this request because I love the assembly of our body together. But once again... I have to come back to the point that it doesn't really matter what I like or what I don't like. That's not what really matters. Now, I will say, I I do like Governor Lee, and I so appreciate his careful, considerate response to churches and people of faith like us in in this time of emergency and disaster. And I must say, for the record, that if he had told us that we were not to meet, That changes the tenor of this conversation. That changes the tenor of this decision. That changes how we approach our response because remember, God is over government. And God has told us that we are to assemble and we are the body of Christ and we are to come together. I do not believe that if we take, like we took last Sunday and we went online and we're taking this Sunday, we're going online and we may have to take additional Sundays online, I do not believe that we are disobeying the scriptures and forsaking the assembly of ourselves as the manner of some is if we choose to do that. I believe that the governor has asked us to do this. He has specifically said that we are not required to meet online. But he's asked us. And in Romans chapter 13, Paul tells us first that we are to submit. In verses 6 and 7, Paul adds another command. He tells us to pay. P-A-Y. The first command is submit. The second command is pay. Verses 6 and 7 of Romans chapter 13 says this. And for this reason, you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks for your obli- pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those you owe honor. 
I won't camp out here on our obligation to pay taxes. The tax issue does not seem to be front and foremost in our minds right now, but suffice it to say that God tells us that, as a matter of fact, he commands us to pay our taxes. Once again, it's in the context of government is God's servant. The commandment to pay our taxes is directly related to the submit issue, which we thoroughly covered in verses 1 through 5. In verses 6 and 7, we are commanded to pay our taxes, and Paul reminds us once again that government is God's servant. He also tells us that as God's servants, our governing authorities are, and I quote, continually attending to these tasks. And when I read this part of Romans 13, I was thinking about just how hard it is to govern a bunch of sinners. I was thinking, I was thinking about watching our presidents as they age in front of us over the term of their office. I was thinking about the pain and suffering in the face and posture of our own governor as he has now issued over 73 executive orders during this time of crisis and emergency. Let's pray for those in authority over us. Have you been feeling stressed and down, maybe just a little bit overwhelmed in 2020? I just want you to imagine how those in authority who are making life and death decisions, I just want you to imagine how they're feeling. And let's Let's do that right now. Let's pray for those in authority. Father, we do thank you for government. We do thank you for our elected officials. We thank you that we live in the United States of America and that you have granted us a certain amount of self-rule. And Lord, those who are in authority, who are used to being criticized from every imaginable angle, for those who are in authority who are used to wrestling with difficult decisions where sometimes there is no clear right or wrong. For those who in authority, Lord, who bear the burdens, who are continually attending the tasks that you have assigned them, for they are your servant, we pray for them. We lift them up. We ask, Lord, that they would humbly submit themselves to you, and that they would seek your face, and that you would give them guidance and wisdom. These things we pray in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. In Romans chapter 13, Paul tells us to submit. He tells us to pay, and then he gives us another command to love. Verse 8, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, Do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Submit, pay, love. The third command. I have not had COVID-19, but I have talked to several in our fellowship who have. I cannot personally relate to you my own personal physical struggles with COVID-19 because I've not had it, but I'm sure the Kellers, the Tyrees, the Clements, the Kangas family, the Burks, Addie and Quentin, the Scalfs, I think about Katie Scalf, 
Katie's husband, Zach, has it. Asher has it. Mary Grace has it. Katie's mama has it. Katie's sister has it. Katie's dad has it. And they all have it at the same time. So I can't speak to my own personal suffering, but I do know this at the very, very least. COVID-19 is a major disruption of all of our lives. At the very medium, COVID-19 can leave lasting physical and emotional scars. And at the worst, COVID can end lives. Rhonda lost a favorite cousin just this week. Submit, pay, love. Here's my question to you. Are we really loving our neighbor as ourselves when we insist on what we want or what we don't want? Are we really loving our neighbors as ourselves when we insist on having our own way? In Romans chapter 13, verse 10, Paul tells us, and these are strong words. Are you listening? Love does no wrong to a neighbor. We as a church have been blessed. To my knowledge, and up to this point in time, no one in our fellowship has died from COVID-19. To my knowledge, and up to this point in time, no one in our fellowship that has been infected with COVID-19 was infected by another member of this church unless it was a family member that they were living with. Our percentage of infection as a church is slightly less than the infection rate of Rutherford County, the county in which most of us live. Here's a shout out to those in Bedford County. Not forgetting you, I just don't know your stats. And I will say this, that I don't think that we as leaders or as a whole church body deserve special credit for this good track record in regards to COVID-19. COVID-19 appears to have a randomness, a capriciousness that defies logic or science. I believe that we have largely escaped up to this point in time, that we've largely escaped the plague, not forgetting those of us who are currently suffering and not forgetting those of us who have already gone through it. But I believe we are here by the grace of God. As a church, we have made changes to how we worship and practice our faith. And I won't go into all the changes that we've made. Suffice it to say that sufficient money, energy, and difficult decisions have been made and changes have been implemented. Suffice it to say that we've made changes and we may need to make more changes as the pandemic continues to unfold. As a church, we have not been spotless or flawless in our response to the pandemic and we very well may make even more mistakes as we go forward. But let it not be said of us that what we have done and how we have comported ourselves as believers was because we didn't love our neighbors as ourselves. Submit, pay, love. And then Paul's fourth command in Romans chapter 13, wake up! I kind of wish that we were actually meeting together because whenever I raise my voice and I say wake up, there are invariably two or three people in the audience who jump. Maybe they were nodding off. Paul says, wake up. Verse 11, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our situation, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is near. 
So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to to gratify its desires. It's time to wake up. Why? Because our salvation is even nearer than we thought. It's time to wake up. Why? Because night is almost over. It's time to wake up. Why? Because the day is near. In Romans 13, Paul is talking about the nearness of the day of the Lord. And I don't know if these verses apply to the pandemic and the darkness that has descended across our nation and what we are currently enduring, but I do sure hope that that's applicable. I sure hope the night of COVID-19 is almost over. I sure hope the day is near. I sure hope that our physical salvation from the plague is at hand. I don't know, but I do know this. The Lord wants us to wake up. Stop sleepwalking through each day. Stop living in the past. Stop longing for the future. I talked with two pastors this week who both basically told me the very same thing. Okay, we were commiserating about what it's like to be a pastor at this time. And they both stated rather emphatically that a pastor's job during this pandemic is rather challenging. And they put it this way, and I quote, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Now, I'm a bit ashamed to admit that I agreed with them And I certainly see their point. And who doesn't want to see themselves as the victim? Who doesn't want people to feel sorry for them and what they're going through? But after having time to think and ponder and pray and contemplate on this damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, I I have come to the conclusion that I have to respectfully disagree. I would say to you that that statement is not correct. I would submit to you that we have a unique opportunity to look at this pandemic as an opportunity. It is an opportunity. I prefer to think of ourselves as blessed if we do, blessed if we don't. Submit to the Lord. Pay what you owe. Love your neighbor. Wake up. We're not damned. We're blessed. We're children of the King. You're blessed if you do. You're blessed if you don't. When things are going right and all is well with the world, from our self-centered point of view, it's easy to sleepwalk through the day. It's easy to put it on automatic pilot and just let the plane take us through. When things are not going right and life is difficult, even traumatic, when you're doing your best just to get through each day because of this global pandemic, it's easy to sleepwalk through those days as well. And Paul says, don't do that. Paul says, wake up. Our salvation is nearer than we thought. The day is near. And now a word about what we as a church have done, are doing, and will continue to do. But first, a little story. A few years back, and I I don't believe I will ever forget this. I was in a leadership meeting here at Blackman Baptist Church. And we were sharing needs. Now, when we share needs in a leadership meeting like that, we are extremely careful because 
We do not want to gossip. We do not want to hurt our brothers and sisters in any way. So as a church, when we share needs, we also don't want to brag on ourselves or toot our own horns if we have actively been engaged in meeting those needs. We don't gossip. We don't toot our horns. But in this meeting, while we were in the meeting, one leader was very concerned about a family in our fellowship that was suffering. And the leader expressed their concern and asked, why, as a church, have we not done something to meet the need? There was a silence in the room. And then, one by one, quietly, other leaders reported of how members in the church had reached out and ministered to that family in need. Some of the leaders quietly reported of how they had personally reached out and ministered to this particular family in need. And I tell you this story not not to brag on how our church was meeting the needs of a family in need. And I I tell you this story to remind you and to remind me that we don't always know what the church is doing. We certainly don't know what what all the Lord is doing. And we certainly don't know what he's doing through his church. I think of those who have ministered faithfully now for some nine months through this pandemic. I know individuals who have spent hundreds of dollars ministering to people in financial need. I know of individuals in our church who have time and time again reached out and met emotional and physical needs. We certainly do not know what the Lord is doing, all that he's doing, and what he's doing through his church. But as one of your pastors, I can report that your church is active. If you know someone in need, you be the church to them. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. But I won't leave it there at just your doorstep. I'm not saying that you and you alone are to meet those needs. I'm not saying that you and you alone are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm asking you to please let us know so that we can make sure that we, others in the church, are responding as well. We're in a time where the governor has asked us to limit social gatherings to 10 or less. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the church in Cuba and what has happened in Cuba. You know, Cuba still suffers under an unjust form of government, a communist form of government. And the government thought that they would suppress the church by limiting those churches to no more than 20 people at a time. And you know what happened? God took that 20 limitation and he exploded the gospel through that nation. And that nation has undergone significant revival. The church can shift. The church can shape itself to meet the mission of reaching others and telling people the good news of the gospel. No matter what the situation, the church can adjust. Let us know. Sometimes it's easier for us corporately to meet needs, but it's very difficult for us to meet needs when we don't know them. 
I know for a fact that many of you, if not most of you, are meeting needs. Many of you are being the hands and feet of Jesus. Please don't stop. Please keep serving the Lord through this pandemic. And so, with the Apostle Paul, I ask you to submit to the governing authorities. I ask you to pay what you owe. I ask you to love your neighbor as yourself. And I ask you to stay awake. Wake up. Father, we thank you for this clear directive that we read in Romans 13. And I ask, Lord, as we try to apply this to ourselves, and we do this in such a way, Lord, that we don't judge other Christians who don't see this exactly the way that you have led us to see it. I pray, Lord, that you would give us grace, that you would give them grace, and that you would know that we are humbly seeking to obey you and do your will. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to the Roman authorities and suffered death on a cross. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us, that you would keep us, and that you would use us according to your will in 2021. Amen.